Well, hello there and welcome. This is Story You Talk Radio with Coach Debbie and Eric Ryder. We were just booging down to our little theme song here, getting all ready to talk to you and help you out with your stories. This might be your life story, or it might be the story you are creating for a fictional book. This might be you looking back at your life story so you can add it to your memoir. This might be you examining bits of your story because they're going to go into a speech or a podcast or a TED Talk or something groovy fun like that. That's what we work with here. We help you with your story. We help you live a better life story. And we help you tell an excellent story. Mm-hmm. I should, uh, I should bring Eric on my team to do that, right? Wouldn't that be so much fun? Coach Debbie expands with Eric Ryder. I'm liking this. I'm going to have to find out if he's for hire. In the meantime, this I know, he does take your calls, and he makes sure that if you want live coaching during our show here, you and I can connect, and we can talk about the theme for the day or anything that's on your mind. So the next logical question is, well, what's the theme for the day? I thought we might talk about those mental monsters, mental monsters, you know, the ones that they kind of hang out in your mind and they do a little macrame with your cells and get things all twisted up. And are there cells in that? Yeah, there's got to be. I don't know my metaphor so well in the brain, but you know what I'm talking about. That, that mental hamster wheel, the, the scary dragons, the the tiger in the closet, all that stuff that appears to the mind as real. When we're hanging out up there, how do we take action? Well, I'm just going to tell you right now, there is no competition for those mental monsters if you are willing to take action. And I am here today to help you get unstuck and into action mode. And like I said, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're working with fiction, nonfiction, or your real life story as it's unfolding. Something we've been talking about a lot here lately is this fun and groovy group I got going on. They are the 40-day boot campers. And we're really looking at journaling. We're doing this on the daily. Every day we have a new writing prompt, and there are even some points in which I think, well, like this this last weekend that just passed was a, a holiday weekend, and I thought, well, why don't we stick with our journal exercise for the whole weekend and just see how each day it evolves? And I'm learning from my participants that it is evolving. In fact, I would like to say hi to them. Hello to Judy. Hello to Diana. Hello to Jill and Don and Marsha. Hello to Josh. 
And hello to Janet and Kara. It is a delight to get to work with you in this 40-day boot camp. Because like I said, we are all journaling on the daily. And for those of you that don't do much journaling, you might think, oh, doesn't that require getting up at 4 o'clock in the morning and spending an hour and a half with a blank page? And no, 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 no. It doesn't require that. Do you think I would be on board for that? No, I would not. For me, it requires going down into the kitchen and brewing a nice cup of coffee from my little mocha machine that Don and Marcia got for me. I get my coffee going. I pull out my beautiful purple notebook. I get my favorite pen that Tim gave to me. And I go to my journal. And there was a time when I would set my timer for 10 minutes to just make sure I kept my bum in the chair for 10 minutes. Uh, Now I'm kind of hooked. So some of my students will set the, the timer for 10 minutes, but I, I usually just try to encourage people, go for a minimum of 10, see if 20 feels natural, and if you stay there longer, good on you, good on you. But what's so important is to, on the daily, the daily, the daily, let it be part of your day. When you journal on the daily, instead of hanging out all day with those mental monsters, you're hanging out more with the ideas that you were writing about in the morning in your journal or even the night before in your journal. I often tell people that are using their journal in the evening, start your day by reading that over, taking a look at it, setting an intention for the day. You're setting up a relationship with yourself. And if you care about writing a quality life story just by living it out or writing a fabulous fictional story, you're going to probably want to have a relationship with yourself before you get into making those big plans in your life and writing out all those character plots and details and development and everything else. So much of everything we do always, always, always begins with how well we are relating to ourselves. Now, if you're working on a journal and you're playing with this idea that each day you can have a new prompt and each day you can follow your own great advice, what you find is that things do unfold a day at a time. And it's your journal that's sort of, you know, prompting you with a question, but it's also prompting you throughout your day to just sort of focus on the latest one. You might find your mind back going into three days ago or so, and that might even prompt you to open up your journal in the middle of the day, see what's on your mind. But the more you do this, the more you establish a calm, natural relationship with who? With you. 
And you need that. You need that if you want to go into the day without mental trappings. Now you're going to find that this takes you into decision-making because all of us, as the day unfolds, we have stuff we got to do. It can't just be a big old long day of journaling, right? There's stuff we got to get to. What I, what I hear from so many students is, I don't know what to do in this particular day, especially someone who's writing a book or putting together their thesis or coming up with a 15-minute TED Talk. You know how many pages of writing a 15-minute TED Talk is? Quite a few, to say the least. And if you're going to be dealing with something big in scale, you, you want to know how to use your time. What I can tell you is your journal will inform you of this because it's a day-to-day thing. And we're going to get into this in our show today. Like I told you, I would love to coach you if you've got some mental monsters that are just pulling at you. They're bothering you. They're keeping you from really being in your day. And maybe even they're telling you that you don't know what sort of action to take. If you need help with that, I would be more than happy to coach you here today. And our phone number is 1-888-298-5569. Eric will take your call and we will get connected and have a little conversation here. We'll just ask you for your name, your first name and the city you're calling in from. And don't worry, not you you don't have, not every single friend and family member are hanging out here waiting to find out if you're calling with your anxieties. That that has never ever been the case. If you want to tell us a phony baloney name, you know, I I've had people call up and say, "Oh yes, my uh my name is Bartholomew." Uh we we'll roll with that. We'll do whatever you want, all right? But this is a nice, safe place to put out your idea, to have a little conversation, and to get some coaching. So before we go to our first break, we got about five, six minutes here. I want to share with you that many people feel that it's very, very hard to know, how do I take right action? How do I step from... I got all these ideas in my mind too. All right, all right, all right. I'm willing to do one thing. Well, honestly, that's part of the secret right there. What is one thing you would be willing, one thing you would be willing to do today? Even better, right now. What's one thing you would be willing to do? Let's say you have set out like, oh, Diana has set out to write a cookbook. Let's say you're like her and you're thinking up your recipes and you're thinking over your past. But all of a sudden, all of a sudden, that mind starts to go. It starts to twirl and spin an idea and it gets you all uptight, makes you think that, you know, I got a lot of things coming up. 
I'm not quite sure why I committed to writing this cookbook. Diana's not going through this right now, but you might be. You might be if you're writing a cookbook and you might freeze and not have a sense of how do I take the next right action? Well, here's one thing you want to do. We, we freeze because we can't see a detail. So I like to ask my students to do this. Pretend you are in a plane and you are flying up high over you and over your project of writing a cookbook and you're looking down on this. Now, what would make sense to you to do next? If you couldn't go wrong, what would make sense to you to do next? I'm going to give you some hints. Do something fun. Do something that won't take all day. Do something that intrigues you. See, we usually think we have to do something hard. That's not true. Go with fun. Go with intriguing. Go with liveliness. You're probably stuck because you're dealing with a monster. What would it be like if you tried something fun? Yeah, think about that. Eric says we got someone on the line. That's right. We've got Diana from Los Angeles. Man, I was just thinking about you. How are you doing, Diana? Hello. I'm so glad you called. What's on your mind? I'm so glad you were talking about me. <laughs> <laughs> I first wanted to say that the 40-day boot camp that we're in is fantastic. Thank and you. I think that I'd like to know, um, I, I know we're going to all meet and talk, but I, I got a little stuck and hung up. I, I'm, I'm hoping this will be helpful to people listening One of our prompts was um, about being a leader and being a follower. Yes. And I think in my vast experience, I'm really a better leader than follower. And then last night, yesterday, the question was, how can you like up-level your being a follower? And I don't really know what that means. Mm, Okay. Let's have fun with this. This is funny okay. that I was channeling you and then you called. <laughs> um, how about this? Let's think for one minute. What is one skill you have that helps you be a leader? Let's play with leader first. What's one mm-hmm. skill you have that helps you be a leader? I'm a, I'm a really good presenter. I'm a good teacher. I'm at ease with people and groups, um, one-on-one. I'm a certified holistic life coach. Um, I have skills that make me really have really good people skills. Well, there that's more than one. That's like seven. Good job. Okay. <laughs> that's sort of like under one umbrella, I think. Yeah. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. So let's just take one of those. Let's just take, why don't we take people skills? I heard you say I have people skills. So if we were to think about being a follower and we were to think about your people skills, how might you use a people skill and follow? Um, what, I, what I tend to think in following is I, like, I follow people's leads. Mm-hmm. This, is the thing, this is what comes to me, and maybe I'm, I'm stuck on that, but 
Mm-hmm. I follow people's leads. I follow people I respect. Um, I follow I follow their leads. People like you, people like our friend Alan Cohen, um, people whom I really admire and respect is how I follow. And I even have a really great fitness instructor I work with, and I'm willing to do anything she recommends or tells me to do because I really respect and admire her her expertise and like that. Um, Diana, that's a really I'm, good follower. Yeah. I'm thinking <laughs> where I'm hung up, and if I want to up-level my following, is do I need to follow more people on social media? Am I not following enough people? Am I not a good enough follower? Mm-hmm. This is where I got kind of caught up with being a follower. So I think you, your mind went to, do I need more quantity? And I, I personally feel that being a high-quality follower involves these characteristics you were just mentioning here, being someone who offers respect, being someone who knows where to send my adoration, being someone who listens to quality recommendations. If, if in anything, I think the word willingness is the key to being a great follower. So you mentioned Alan Cohen. He is someone who has coached you and coached me. There's times when he will give me advice, and I sit there and think, ooh, I don't know about that. That sounds big and challenging. But as a good follower... I have to ask myself, am I willing to step up to something new and follow someone that historically has led me well? Does that make sense? Right. Yes. Yeah. When I was first journaling about this, I said that I follow what feels good and what feels right. What intuitively I know is good for me. Yeah. So I... I, I just got caught up on how do I up-level that (laughs) in the the prompt. So that's what I wanted to hear more about. Well, I'm really glad you asked about it because it, it for me, means quality. Is there a quality that I could bring to this? And, And the idea of starting with the qualities you already know you're doing is just going to open your mind to what... What could be next? For me, it's willingness, willingness to hear advice when it's something that challenges me. If you were if you were sitting with Alan right now and he was saying, gosh, Diana, I just think there's an adventure on the way. Would you be willing to up-level and move across the country? Or does that, does that not sound good to you? What would your intuition tell you? Um, probably say I would be willing. I, I don't know about moving. I, I don't want to move across this country. I want to move to France. He, <laughs> actually, I was in his coaching room today talking with him about that. Um, so I, I think, I think I would certainly perk up like you do, like, Ooh, what's, there might be something here for me. Mm-hmm. So I think followers follow great questions like that. Is there something here for me? What might be here for me? How Uh might I do what I'm used to 
and listen to it being even bigger, even more expansive. Mm -hmm. I think that's the beginning and end of being a great follower. Okay, good. Okay. Yeah. And I'm, then I'm following the right path. <laughs> and I'm already following the right path, perhaps. Maybe, yeah. You're doing a great yeah. job. You're doing a great job. Yeah. A plus, my dear. Thank you. Thank okay. you. Love your show. I'll continue listening to the rest of the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much for okay. calling in today. I really appreciate okay. it. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for being there. Okay, yeah. bye. Bye-bye. Okay. Well, that was Diana. I, I think that's funny. She's in the boot camp, and I mentioned her cookbook, and then she calls in. That was not planned. <laughs> that was pretty cool, though. Well, what do you say, my friends? We take just a little break here. I've got a lot more to tell you about those monsters in the mind and how you might know to take the next right action. So stay tuned. Where would you love to live? Have you explored today's market? When I spoke with Heather Ramos, she instantly put me at ease. I'm Coach Debbie from Story U, and I recommend Heather to first-time buyers or dream home shoppers and everyone in between. Let Heather's experience lead you to a perfect location and style and all within your budget. Contact Heather Ramos at Keller Williams. That's Heather Ramos at KW.com. I want to take a minute and invite you on over to the Love Shack. It's a little old place where we get to get together, explore fresh perspectives, eavesdrop on juicy conversations, and uncover the mysteries that nobody talks about, but absolutely influences our relationships. And we're Tom and Stacey Bartley. We are the hosts of Love Shack Live, which airs every Thursday at 1 p.m. PST, 1150 KKNWAM. Yeah, come on over and join us. We look forward to connecting with you soon. Get inspired every hour right here on Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to Story U Talk Radio. Thanks so much for tuning in today. We are talking about the little mental monsters that can hang out in your mind and take over and make you think that whatever project you've got going on in front of you isn't going so well. And if it tells you that, well, then you feel stumped and unable to take the next step. So our job today is to get you into the next step. Diana posed this great question about what does it mean to up-level when she just called in before the break? What does it mean to up-level? And sometimes that can stump a person too. Does it mean I have to do what I'm doing better? And more so, it just means going further on down the road. So if you are someone who tends to do uh, 15 or 20 or 30 minutes or 45 minutes at a time with a project, up-leveling doesn't mean you have to do a better job of it. It might just mean what's the next task you would be willing to take on instead of closing down the day a little early. That might be one example of an up-level. I've talked to a lot of people over the years who have said that the mental monsters 
can really, really wreak havoc on them. And here's just some places where people feel resistance. They say, well, I really want to write my book or I really want to write a speech, but, 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 maybe now that I've said I want to do it, I'm actually not cut out for it. Mm-hmm. That will start a mental monster going after your brain. There's also this one. I really want to write a book. I really want to do a TED Talk. But, but what if people become critical of me? Very common, very common fear. The monster will take over. There's a whole bunch more. People will wonder, you know, I, I don't know if my idea matters anymore. Is it still up to date? Maybe, maybe I should have wrote this book five years ago. Some people will say, but what if I lose somehow? Or what if I lose someone? Eek! What happens if someone that I really care about just vanishes because I wrote this book? Could happen. Could. So we have to explore that. What if somebody that's in your life right now doesn't want to be in your life after you write the book? You have to ask yourself, was it worth it to write this book? In most cases, when you're clear about what you're writing about, when you value what you're offering to the world, the person that fell away was someone that was probably going to fall away if you did something else anyway. But we don't think of that. We make it into a drama, a big, big mental monster. We tell ourselves it's too overwhelming. We tell ourselves that it's outside of our comfort or our education. We tell ourselves that someone else could probably do a much better job. What I like to tell people is that when their mental monsters are coming up, they're no different than mine. I mean, don't think that I go without experiencing these little monsters, sometimes on a weekly basis, sometimes monthly, sometimes if I'm really trying to do something fun and challenging, oh man, they'll be there a few times a day, if not more. When they, I'll just tell you when they really like to visit me, around three o'clock in the morning. Yep. Do you have those? Sometimes they're showing up because they want us to get up and produce. But other times they're there to say, this is too big, too hard, too challenging, too much. The real trick to dealing with anything mental is to come back somehow to right now, to this day and to this moment. And most of us don't have the patience for this. It's part of the reason that I'm taking people through a 40-day boot camp. By the way, if you're in my boot camp, we are having class tomorrow at 11 a.m. on Friday. We, we look at what is the value in having our relationship with ourself. It evolves out of a journaling practice. And when we do that, we realize that these monsters really have nothing to do with the present moment at all. They're generated from our programming. 
Now, I've done a lot of studying over the years, and I've also taken a lot of breaks over the years around mental programming. In other words, the subconscious mind. When you are deeply involved in psychology, I took plenty of psychology in the graduate level, I was very surprised to learn that our programming in those, in those early years, you know, four, five, six, those, those early, early years of our life, we might remember them in terms of, say, punishment, or embarrassment, or guilt. But what we don't remember, and, and what we were probably far, far too immature to understand, is that our natural tendency was being balked by an authority. So for example, when I was a, a little, little kid, I thought it was very fun after bedtime to sneak the flashlight into my bedroom and turn it on under the blankets and play with my toys. I was a night owl. And in much later years, I would do this with reading. But in those early, early days, I thought I was outsmarting the parents. You know, I was playing with toys at 10 o'clock at night, even though bedtime was 8 now, the programming was that this was bad, and my things were taken away when I was playing. Um, nothing harsh or scary came from this. But what it left upon me was this idea that there is, there's consequence if you don't follow what other people think is right. So I, I had two parents, and then there was me. Their idea of what was right is that you go to bed at a, an early hour, and you don't play and be mischievous in the middle of the night. The programming was that that's not how we do it in our house. You are the outsider, Debbie, for wanting this. So when you grow up, you don't really have the understanding of how those programs lie in your subconscious mind. And then one day comes along, and you want to write a book. And one of the first things you think of when you get a little scared or you get a little stuck is, am I doing something that won't be accepted in my family? It isn't this direct correlation of playing with toys in the middle of the night. But your programming tells you that you're the only one in your family doing it. And your programming asks you, when was this familiar? Oh, this was familiar when I wanted to play in the middle of the night. Everyone else went to bed like they were supposed to, but naughty old Coach Debbie, she was staying up playing with dolls and having a great old time with her brother's little cars because that was the only time I got to play with his cars. It's in the middle of the night when he wasn't playing with them. This programming told me that although I thought it was a great idea, I would really stand out in my family 
if I continued to be a bad girl and sneak things. So we get programmed. We have programming about major, major things, but we always have programming around what does it look like to be accomplished? What does it look like to stand in your own truth? What does it look like to be original? What does it look like to have my own identity? I later decided I liked the identity as a writer, but my programming kept coming up again and again and again, asking me, are you comfortable doing something that other people in your family aren't doing? Remember, long ago, you were bad for that. It's like we can't totally decode it, but something has been laid down in the mind, giving us that resistance and making us think we might not be doing it right. And therefore, we will definitely fail at this new endeavor that we're taking on at age 35, 45, 55, 65. And so we stop. And that's where those mental monsters come from. A, we know we want to create something. B, we start creating something. And then C, that programming jumps in and goes, now hang on, are you doing it right? Are you doing it the way you're supposed to? If you keep doing it, are you going to be the outlier in the family? What's going to happen to you? The worries come in. Sometimes they don't even come in in language. Sometimes they just come in as a feeling. While Diana and I were talking here, that's one of the things she said, was if I up-level, I can sort of get an idea of this based on how I might feel. That's often how we connect to what's next. So if you've got mental monsters going on, but you know you want to feel liberated, feel a certain level of freedom, feel on purpose, and you believe you will if you write your book, if you do that TED Talk, if you produce that blood, you know how you want to feel. If you can connect with that and stay with that just a little beyond the thought of, but, 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 I don't want to stand out. But, 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 I don't want to look weird. If you can stay with it just a little bit longer and entertain that, that voice or that scared feeling is old, you'll start to do some reprogramming. And the resistance, slowly but surely, is going to go down. If you do this for seven days in a row, you might find that on day eight, you have no resistance at all. If you do it for 14 days in a row, you're going to find that you're going to get a break from this resistance for a few days before it starts to pop up again. But studies show if you do this for 40 days in a row, you will start to reprogram that old thought, that
that old feeling, that old message. Like I said, the monsters in your head, that resistance, for some of us, it has language. For some of us, it's more of a feeling. But you know, is this in favor of me going forward? Or is this causing me to feel resistance? If it's causing resistance, ask yourself if you can just hang out there just a little, little bit and recognize that this has nothing to do with this moment right now. It has to do with some very old programming. And if you allow yourself to hang out here, just like Diana did, you realize that you want to be with the now. You're more attracted to the idea of what does it feel like to be on purpose for me? What does it feel like to listen to my dreams? What does it feel like to carry out one task today that takes me further into the future that I desire? This is how we break up old programming. I want you to think about that. We are going to get ready here for our next break. If you would like to call in, we still have time to take your questions. And that's 1-888-298-5569. We'll be right back. Where would you love to live? Have you explored today's market? When I spoke with Heather Ramos, she instantly put me at ease. I'm Coach Debbie from Story U, and I recommend Heather to first-time buyers or dream home shoppers and everyone in between. Let Heather's experience lead you to a perfect location and style and all within your budget. Contact Heather Ramos at Keller Williams. That's Heather Ramos at KW.com. Hi, this is Marilyn Milano. If you love animals, then please check out my new show, Love Has Many Faces, Tuesdays from 9 to 9.30 a.m. right here on Alternative Talk 1150. I'll be talking with rescue groups, animal advocates, and other organizations that help animals, sharing their stories, and giving our listeners some tangible ways in which they can help make a difference. That's Love Has Many Faces, Tuesdays at 9 a.m. right here on Alternative Talk 1150. Raising awareness, touching hearts, and saving animals' lives. Going our own way every day. Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to Story You Talk Radio. If you're just tuning in, I'm Coach Debbie, and I am here to help you write books and blogs and brands, help you with your TED Talk and your speech. My whole philosophy is that if we are connected to living our life story in intention, then we have a story to bring to our written work. Some people work with me mostly to just get in touch with that life story, and other people work with me to go on and produce that creative project. If this sounds like something you would like to do, head on over to my website, and that's coachdebbie.com. 
Debbie is spelled D-E-B-B-Y, coachdebbie.com. And just click on connect. When you're there, you can send me a note. You can take a look at offerings. I do 90-day boot, or uh, sorry, I do 40-day boot camps. I do 90-day writing programs. I do luxury retreats where we eat well, we we sleep well, we bathe, we spa, and we talk about writing. We fit that in. It's wonderful to do these. I try to have at least one a year. And then there's also the option to just go for it and send me an email. My email address is Debbie, that's D-E-B-B-Y, at CoachDebbie.com. And I would love to hear from you. I promise I am the only one who ever reads my email. I do not outsource that. So if you have an idea, just send it my way and give me about 24 to 48 hours to get back to you. You might get a response in 10 minutes, but just, just to be on the safe side, 24 to 48 hours and I will reply. We're talking today about those mental monsters They get in our mind, and they keep us from being productive. We're talking a little bit about strategy, and I want to share with you just this basic, basic notion that when we have mental monsters, the hardest thing sometimes to remember is that we only have to take one action to move out of our stuckness and back into action, back into our project. Sometimes what I like to do is write down, as the day starts, what might be three things I do today, knowing that I want to get two out of three completed today. If you can take on tasks and write down your projected timeline for them, so for example... A task that I might take on is I want to do the editing on a piece of copy. If I write down I am willing to invest 30 minutes of editing time and I want that to happen today, somehow knowing that there's 24 hours in a day and here's just one task I would like to do that's 30 minutes, it just goes from feeling like, oh, it, am I of clear mind to do that? Do I, do I really have it all figured out what I want to say? I go from sort of spinning that to actually seeing, ah, I've got a little 30-minute task here that I want to make sure I do this morning. And it's just, it just becomes the next thing. It takes me out of spinning questions spinning stuff that doesn't help me and brings me back to, aha, I have a strategy. I'm going to do two tasks today. I can either do this one first or I can do it second. And that's it. It it makes it simple. When you do that, you start to create systems. And when you start to create systems, coming back to what we were talking about before the break, you start to reprogram old ideas. 
Remember, programming is something we learn right out of psychology. It is the subconscious mind that at one time in our very, very young life, we had to follow what an authority told us. And so, the programming that was original to us, be free, go under the covers, take a flashlight, stay up late, and play with toys like Coach Debbie did. <laughs> that, that idea, that original idea of what freedom felt like sometimes got squashed by the programming of what the authorities in the family wanted for us. In my family, they didn't want me awake at 10 o'clock at night. They wanted me getting my rest. And so the programming was, we don't do that. This is a bad idea. Don't stay up late. Turn the light off. Roll over and go to sleep. The idea was that it was bad to be awake at night. Now, we can't always remember all of that. In fact, most of us don't. We just remember the feeling. And when does it come up? It comes up in adulthood when we want to be creative. So we start the reprogramming. Now, I, I put together some fun facts today to help you realize that there were things that happened to other writers that you might think only you are going through or that only a novice would go through. So I want to just share a few things with you about other writers. Now, you remember the writer Mark Twain. Yes, you remember Huckleberry Finn? Mark Twain once gave a lecture, and in the middle of the lecture, he became so overwhelmed with emotion that he had to walk off of the stage. Parts of that lecture later became parts of the story Huckleberry Finn. Now, just take this example for a moment. We have Mark Twain. He's very young and early in his career. He's been invited to give a speech. And while he's giving the speech about some of his ideas, he becomes overwhelmed with emotion and walks off the stage. Now, I can imagine how if that had been me, I might have claimed that as the last day in my career. I might have decided my entire ambition of being a writer was all false and that I had completely completely fooled myself and embarrassed myself to such an extreme that I might, I don't know, take up isolation for a long time. Now, we don't know everything that Mark Twain went through, but what we do know is that it's on record that those ideas he was talking about when he became so emotional were the ideas that went on to make him a best-selling author, one that generations later is, is hailed. He is an amazing author of our time and, and previous. So 
When I say our time, I'm speaking as a classic writer. Someone who is still of our time is classical. They might have written the book 50 years ago, but they are of our time because they did such an amazing job. They are living and breathing their work into our time. Imagine if your work was doing exactly that. I mean, for me, if I was to have my work do that 50 years from now, I would be, I'd be dead and gone for sure. I don't plan to be here in 50 years. I'm going to make sure I'm not. <laughs> there, there's this way in which people try out an idea like Mark Twain did. They go up on stage like Mark Twain did. And when they feel too much or when they feel afraid, they take care of themselves in that moment. For him, it was leaving the stage. For even people in the audience, it might have been this idea of, you can't do that. But when you have the guts to come back and revisit that most difficult moment, you see that that emotion you were feeling was actually your brilliance. This is how I like to talk to my students because so many times when we talk about going back to those mental monsters in the brain, when we talk about what's tripping them up, it's usually something where they feel emotional. They feel like, you know, I'm better at one thing than I am at the other. I don't know how to up-level the other. I don't know how to go forward here. They're having an emotional feeling about it. In that emotion is some brilliance. If we quit on it, we won't get to it. Now, you can step away. You can step off stage. You can go back to your seat. There's nothing wrong with that. But to abandon the idea forever, that could be the thing that made you decide you were never going to be a best-selling author. Or it could be the thing you follow through on and you become that best-selling author. Here's another fun fact. Mary Shelley. Do you remember Mary Shelley? She wrote Frankenstein. I would, I would say that Frankenstein was one of the most compelling books on the required reading list that I completed when I was at Seattle University. I felt like that, that book absolutely had me, had me on the edge of my seat, had me in a whole nother world, took over my emotions. I loved that book. Are you ready for this fun fact? Mary Shelley wrote that when she was 18 years old. Yeah. Now, true, this was a whole nother time. She didn't have an iPhone to distract her. She didn't have online dating to take her away from her manuscript. But I'm sure, I'm sure in her time there was plenty of other things she could have been doing instead of committing to her manuscript. But two years after writing that manuscript, at age 20, Frankenstein was published. 
like I said, this is one of the most riveting books that has ever been on a required reading list that I have completed. I, in fact, I remember that I read it over a Thanksgiving holiday while I was deathly sick, and I read it during those four days because I was supposed to have been reading it all month, <laughs> and I just didn't think I was going to like it. I hadn't given it a chance yet. And yet I remember it as one of the best books that I I got to read during my time at Seattle U. And we did read a lot, a lot of books. Now, I just, I want you to go with this idea that you have fun facts inside of you as well. There were times when you were scared witless. And yet when you came back, and you were honoring those feelings, you went forward. This is how you work with mental monsters. Maybe at the moment they're scaring you badly. Maybe at the moment they're telling you this is your last day as a writer. But if you are willing to come back to this moment after a break and think about how might I just have a task or two How might I just work with this feeling as opposed to resist it and go up against all my old mental programming? How might I look at my mental programming and ask, is that still true today? Is it still true today that I'm a bad girl if I stay up late playing with ideas? I don't think so. I think many, many, many great novels were written late, late at night. Find out what entices you. And that is really the key to this. What keeps you enticed? That's your direction away from those mental monsters that spin around in your head, wake you up in the middle of the night, and tell you it's not going to work out. Maybe there was a moment that it didn't. But come back. Try it again. And if you need some help, why don't you look me up? I'm at CoachDebbie.com. That's D-E-B-B-Y, CoachDebbie.com. I'd love to know what you're up to. We do this every Thursday, my friends, 4 o'clock. We offer you a live show every week. So until next Thursday, namaste, my friends. (music) 